exit If you blink you've gone too far We all get our news From the gal behind the bar It takes a village To raise this community And even if you don't go to church You say grace Or give your thanks before you eat This is us A small town in America And put simply We like things how they used to be We got one stop is at nine and we got an exxon you can't miss it it's up there on the right and this is home we take care of our own if you can't relate get back on the interstate and go well hello everyone and welcome to climax the podcast love letter to a small town a free weekly audio show highlighting the people places and history of the climax scott's community produced by climax scott's digital network However you got here, whether you are subscribed to our feeds on things like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or listening direct on ClimaxThePodcast.com or maybe the CSDN YouTube channel, whatever way you got here, thank you for coming here and hit that subscribe button so you can make sure you can stay for next week too. Of course, if you have listened to the show in the past or you are listening for the first time, we always appreciate comments, shares, reviews, all of those things help boost the old algorithms in podcast land, and that always helps get more eyes on our feeds and ultimately more ears on this podcast. Just a few short days ago on Monday, we had a little shorty episode, episode 11, and if you listened to that, you heard there are no more seasons. This is now just one continuous show, new episodes at least once a week, and those are going to drop on Wednesdays. So if you're subscribed, you should be able to wake up Wednesday morning and already have the newest episode of Climax the Podcast in whatever your favorite podcast app may be. If you listen to season one, this will be very familiar, and we're still going to maintain the format of doing all of our business right up front. As mentioned before, Climax the Podcast is produced by Climax Scott's Digital Network, a new multimedia company focused solely on the Climax Scott's community. CSDN is just starting out, so be on the lookout not just for Climax the Podcast, but for upcoming things like the See Us CS video series. That's coming to the YouTube page in the relatively near future. You're probably going to see things like blogs on area news, events, history, and more. We even offer services in the realm of converting VHS, audio tapes to more modern formats. We can help you with things like in-home training or tutorials on your own personal technology, helping you set up your home Wi-Fi or troubleshoot those things. And there's a lot more ways we can probably help you get the most out of the personal technology that you already own. To get in touch with Climax Scott's digital network about any of the different services that we offer, or if you have things like suggestions for guests, or maybe even help us make some connections to guests that maybe we don't have that direct contact with quite yet, there's a lot of ways that you can get a hold of us. And by us, I mean me at this point. This company is just starting out. You can visit our webpage at ClimaxThePodcast.com. You can shoot me a message at our Facebook page. You can send me an email to ClimaxThePodcast at gmail.com. Or you can give a call or a text to our phone number 779-456-6713. I am very happy to say Climax the Podcast is still brought to you in part by Kristen Wikoski with State Farm. Kristen is our OG sponsor and a dear friend of mine going back to my grade school days. And I'm going to tell you what, when I just moved back to Michigan, switching all my insurance could have been a giant pain in my rear. Nope, it was quite simply a call to Kristen, about uh, 5 to 15 minutes of total investment of my time, and it was all done. My home's insured, my house is insured, everything I need insured is already taken care of. 
Kristen offers a variety of things to make sure that all the people, places, and things that you hold dear are insured and taken care of. So if you are in a position to reevaluate or get new auto insurance, motorcycle insurance, homeowner's insurance, condo insurance, renter's insurance, business insurance, life insurance, recreational vehicle insurance, boat insurance, unicycle insurance. Okay, I made that part up, I think. But she could probably figure out a way to do it for you. I'm cracking a joke, but the service that Kristen and her team offer, that is no joke. So here's the different ways you can get in touch with her. You can go visit Kristen and her team in her office. It's over on 20th Street in Battle Creek, right across from Ollie's, and directly behind Chicago Title, and she's got these great big new signs that make it really easy to find her office. You can give her a call at 269-968-5130, or you can fill out a contact inquiry on her website at callkristen.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N, callkristen.com. Season one of Climax the Podcast absolutely would not have been possible without the help and the archival access from our friends at Prairie Historical Society. And the ongoing show is going to be no different. It's already been an integral part of kind of some episodes that we have in the pipeline coming up in the next few weeks. But Prairie Historical Society was established in 1984. They have their own room, the History Room at Lawrence Memorial Library in downtown Climax. They're open two days a week now to the public. Tuesdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., just like they always have been. And now there will be evening hours on Thursdays from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. starting this week. So Thursday, October 4th, you can actually use the evening hours for PHS because we realize not everyone's available in that 10 to noon window. So if you might be able to come by after school, after work, come on by and say hi because it will quite literally be me covering those hours. And I'd love to see you guys and I'd love to help you try to get connected to town history or maybe your own family's personal history and genealogy. PHS is a great organization to support, and it's really easy to become a member, and it's probably about to get even easier. Membership is only $15 per year, and that will get you their six bi-monthly newsletters where they go on deep dives to topics about people, places, and businesses of the town. And right now, you can send that payment to 107 North Main Street, P.O. Box 82, Climax, Michigan, 49034, and I'm trying to help them modernize a little bit with some web access, and hopefully there's going to be an online payment option for that soon as well. But support PHS any way you can. It's important to remember our town's histories. And another little bit of a plug, a little bit of business, but also a bit of an announcement, Climax Scott's Digital Network will be partnering with Now Kalamazoo. Their website is nowkalamazoo.org. And here's just a quick synopsis of who Now Kalamazoo is and what they're looking to do. Direct from their website, their mission and values. Now Kalamazoo is a nonprofit community news service and a public resource for all who live, work, and play in Kalamazoo County. We produce high-quality journalism that serves the public good, and we assist citizens in accessing civic information. Our mission is to empower our readers with the information they need to make informed decisions, hold those in power accountable, and create positive change in our community. We believe that a free and independent press is essential to a healthy democracy, and we are committed to providing high-quality journalism that serves the public good. You guys can read a lot more about Now Kalamazoo, and right now we're going to partner with them in a couple different ways in collaboration. More on that to come, but we've had some meetings, and we think we're going to be able to help each other out with some mutual goals of being voices within our communities. And just like that, this week's business is done. Stay tuned after this week's main event, and I still can't shake the wrestling lingo. I was in that world 22 years. It's, I'm probably never going to shake it. 
but we'll call it main event, main attraction, interview. That's coming up real soon. After this week's main event, I want to talk a little bit about the community calendar that I'm trying to build right here on Climax the Podcast, so stay tuned after this week's main event for that. But let's actually get into this week's main event. First off, I want to thank Gary Longman for helping me set this whole thing up. My very first week back in the area, I happened to bump into Gary and family right there along the fence at a Climax Scott's home football game. And we got to talking about a lot of different topics, as tends to happen when you see folks you haven't seen in a long time. And I let Gary know how much I would love to talk to his folks and have them on Climax the Podcast. He was all about it. We exchanged phone numbers, we kind of kept in contact, and we made this happen. And you're actually going to hear from Gary a fair amount on this podcast as well. But let's lead off with a big thanks again to Gary Longman for making this episode of the podcast possible. And you know what? Some of the stuff Gary touches on in his portions here, I'm hoping to have him on in a future episode because there's a lot more that we could go into there. You'll probably get an idea of what I'm talking about when we get into the main event this week. Now, the official guests of this podcast need virtually no introduction. Without further ado, let's get into episode 12, In Love Since Chicken Charlie's, with Jim and Charlene Longman. Well, welcome to another edition of Climax the Podcast, and I'm not here to assign an absolute label, but if you were to have a conversation of the most valuable couples in the history of Climax... My guess at this time would definitely be in the conversation because I don't know that there is a blade of grass in town that one of you has not helped maintain in some way. I don't know if there's a functional dinner you have not made food for or a sports piece of equipment that has not been somehow provided for or maintained by. My guess at this time, I have Mr. Jim and Mrs. Charlene Longman, and also you'll be hearing from their son, Gary, who's in the room with us as well. But Jim and Charlene, thank you so much for joining us here for Climax the Podcast. You're welcome. So where does Climax start for the two of you? Lifelong Climax for both of you, am I right? No, uh, mine started when I was just, uh, well, I was born next to the post office in that first house north of the post office so i started there on the kitchen table in the house but back then of course a lot of us were born at home <laughs> but uh, but then we we were away for three years and then actually moved back uh in the fifth grade i take it all back seventh grade uh, that's kind of when it started we bought a restaurant there in town and called M&M Grill at the time, and my dad and my mom and my dad was kind of the, the wheel in it, but my mother was more important. She was a cook, so, so and it was really good. We had uh, Sunday chicken dinners. We served 150, 200 people probably on some Sundays that uh, everybody came, but that was kind of the start of it, and then, of course, my school started then in seventh grade. Started getting into sports and <laughs> everything, baseball, basketball, football. So that that was the intro. But from there on, it was just, you know, high school. Of course, we did. A lot of people don't know it. In fact, there aren't many people old enough to know it any, anymore. But we didn't have a gymnasium, so we played our basketball in the Scots Union Hall, they called it at the time. 
and we had to ride the bus over to Scott's and uh, practices and everything. And uh, if we got our, had somebody to pick us up, we only had one car in the family, but dad worked. So we did a lot of walking railroad tracks from Scott's to Climax. <laughs> it was quite interesting, but it, we enjoyed it. Nowadays, I don't know if kids are even outside long enough to go from, from one town to the other on the railroad track. It seemed to go quite fast when there was three or four of you. You know, there was always more than just one. So, but anyway, that was our our sports as far as the winter sports was basketball, walking to get there or get to get home and playing in the little Scotts Hall. Not many people remember that now anymore. I do. <laughs> well, Scott's I played Hall, in it also. I was about to ask. Scott's Hall was a site of some dances and some oh, bands yes. and yeah. plays. A lot school more plays. nightlife than I think today's generation mm -hmm. might might realize mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, that's where we had our school plays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, we didn't have uh, we had the old Masonic Lodge and our turned into and now it's a party store. Or a, Junk store. What do they call it? <laughs> a bargain store. There you a bargain. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, the bargain. A knickknack bargain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can buy about anything. It it's funny to me that you can almost tell a person's age from climax, but by what they know that building as or what they right. call it that's first. True. It's yeah. like okay, yeah. if it's Dave's bargains, you're probably thirty or under. Mm -hmm. If it's uh, the Masonic Hall, okay, you're probably more in my like 40 to 50 bracket. Mm -hmm. yeah. If they call it the high school, well, now we're getting into some <coughs> some older ages, and I'll I'll spare people by saying the numbers that it was middle school for me. It was yeah, 50s. Yeah. It was what 57. The new school was built, I believe. Yeah, and uh, so up until then, it was school. And I just, uh, this week, I was at Prairie Historical Society and found photos of the original construction of the now high school, then the new school. Yep. <laughs> and that was quite a sight to behold, looking down with, to so many, you know, probably a th almost 30-year run of kids. Oh, that's Mrs. Murphy's hallway. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. that was just concrete blocks at that point. <laughs> there right. was a lot more to it. Mm -hmm. uh, very surreal to look at that. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, Charlene, I believe you were in my Uncle Dwayne's class, yes. were you not? Yes, I was. Yep, yep. One of my buddies. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that came up when I, I interviewed him uh, uh -huh. last year. He was one of the episodes on the earlier part of this year. Yes, yes. I remember that came up. How many in the class? Oh, goodness. 20. I, I forgot 20 some. I know it wasn't a very particularly large number. No, it was, no. I want to say it was like 20, 21, somewhere in there. I think Just I, a, a low 20s. I know that. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was low. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and I, of course, turn, turn. entered the picture at Scott's in the 8th grade. We moved to Scott's in the 8th grade, so the old school there is where I started, but the climax years, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you live south of Scotts, didn't you? Yes, yeah. we lived we lived south of Scotts on a farm, and uh, uh, yeah, so that was, and uh, but we didn't get together or start dating till. Uh, uh, well, you started your fresh, you started climax your freshman year. 
Freshman, yeah, well, yes. I started it, no, I started at Scott's and halfway through the eighth grade. No, but I'm saying your freshman year was... Oh, yes, and then, of course, we were consolidated with, with Climax, yeah. So, so all my high school years were, were at Climax. Huh? <clears throat> yeah. And the, how long after school, now, did you start seeing each other in school, or were you both out of school by the time that... No, oh, in school. We was, she was a sophomore and I was a junior. You were a junior yeah. at the play in the old Union Hall in Scotts. This is the first time we we kind of uh, started, yeah. Yeah, getting better it. acquainted. You both got that twinkle in your eye and it's still twinkling many years later. Well, we went after the play, we went to Kalamazoo to eat and he asked me to... Chicken Charlie. Chicken Charlie's. Oh, Chicken Charlie's. Chicken Charlie's. I have made it my entire life up to this moment never learning of Chicken Charlie's. It was a restaurant in Kalamazoo. Popular place then when we were in school. I'd imagine so. It's just fun to say. I want to go there now. Is that like on Portage Street or whereabouts might it be? Not Portage. It's West Nage. Oh, it was West Nage. Where West Nage comes in, what is that road that twists on over West Nage? There um I know Kilgore. Center crosses it. No. Kilgore crosses it. it it's uh, Milton. Hmm. Is that not White's Road? No, it's not White's Road. I can't, I can't think of the road. Well, there's also a matter of, I mean, One gosh, even just coming here, I barely recognize West Main. Where well, I just everything came is off. Oh, it's changed. so changed. It's yeah. so changed. Yeah. And I'm not even sure what it is now. It's no longer Chicken Charlie's, but it, it is a new... Last time we went by it, I, yeah. I see it was a new... That was a longer trip, because that was before I-94 was built. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Well Everything was a long trip back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You went into Kalamazoo, it was a big deal. I had, an old, I had a Model A. <laughs> <laughs> Roadster. Yeah, but yeah, that, w that was a Did big deal. You could deal see the highway Kalamazoo. going by through the... Hole in the floor. <laughs> Almost like the old Fred Flintstone car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can put your feet down. I remember Run. riding in it and looking down at the <laughs> pavement underneath. Yeah. Yeah. It really anyway, doesn't that, seem that very was, many years ago that it was. <laughs> that was the beginning of our mm -hmm. union or relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I dare say it has stood the test of time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think yes. so. I think I'll keep him. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely till death us do part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. We have a anniversary coming up next month, not too long from now. How many years is this anniversary it coming up? It will be seventy-two. Oh my goodness! Well, congratulations <laughs> so, on seventy-two yes. years. Mm -hmm. I've yep. seen a lot of couples I don't think made it 7.2 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> 72. Or 7.2 months. I'm thinking some. I've stolen a line from Vic Swagger many times since his passing of telling people, I'll go to your next wedding. Oh. <laughs> it was an old line Vic Swagger used to say to kids my age when they were getting married very young. I'll go to your next wedding. I remember him. I remember him. Vic, yeah. Yeah, Vic. Yeah. 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 I so. remember him. <laughs> Both of you growing up in the area, mm -hmm. was there ever any thought of when it came time to have the kids and start the family to do that anywhere but the Climax Scots area? Was oh, it, no. Not in my mind. <laughs> my world wasn't much beyond there. I, I'd grown up over toward uh, Carlton Equipment, uh, uh, 
in the but country. But I was in the Climax oh. District. I mean, mm -hmm. my sister had, was attending high school at that time uh, over by, um, yeah, yeah. Um, just south of Carlton Equipment. Yeah, straight north uh, of Carlton Equipment. On e East Lake, and, then, and I went through the, halfway through the eighth grade there, and then we moved to Scotts that year, and south of Scotts, and, and uh, yeah, so no, no, I was just always very content with our community and the activities, and, and uh, church. The churches. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we, I was trying to think what grade I was in, we lived out at uh, Long Lake for three months one summer in a tent, <laughs> actually two tents. And uh, we always lived in, my folks never owned a home, so we always lived in rental places. And I don't know what transpired because I don't remember what grade we were in, but uh, anyway, we took a couple tents and on, on the back of the barber farm on, right on Long Lake, down the hill, we uh, spent three months. <laughs> it was kind of hard on my mother, I think, maybe. <laughs> but, How old were you? Just in grade school, okay. upper grade school. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I can't imagine. Can't well, remember, maybe the third, fourth grade. I don't remember. Well, to me, that checks out because I know you've spent a lot of time on lakes in your life, yeah. a lot of that with my grandfather <laughs> at different points. In fact, uh, was just uh, reminiscing a bit with my mother on the by phone on the drive over here. She was mentioning that you and my grandfather not only just fished, but you guys actually stocked one or two of the local lakes, is what I hear. Oh, yeah, we used to, to do that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we put... Uh, I have put Potter's Lake bluegills in uh, some of the other lakes, see if they'd get bigger in those lakes, <laughs> something like that. But yeah, Bob and I had a lot of, we actually, we uh, had a lot of good times together because we coached together Little League and, and uh, so, yeah, he was a good friend. In fact, they bought our one house out so mm -hmm. east houses? of town. And they sold there when they moved from Holland to Climax. Yep. Yeah. They briefly lived at the old, the now no longer there farmhouse on the Drawlet Farm. Mm -hmm. And then that was basically to bide their time till they moved into the house that you built, just mm -hmm. about another mile maybe down the road or so. Yeah, that's, what, that's how they bought it. They were walking, out walking. walking. <laughs> they were walking by the house. He started, started talking to him. He said, uh, we just moved here from Holland. We're looking for a house. And I said, well, I'm just about to put a sign out for this house. <laughs> he said, can we go? We're going to look at it. And, and uh, I still remember that day. They went <laughs> up the stairs. They weren't five minutes or so. And he come down and said, Barb said, we'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. That's the and he was happy, too. He, he, he really liked, of course, he liked that garage on each side. Mm -hmm. I remember he used to talk about it. I remember everybody seemed to think it was a duplex mm -hmm. when they first right, got up right. there because of that very unique split mm -hmm. garage style. But mm -hmm. it was yeah. it was an energy energy house. <laughs> it was electric heat and everything, and it was not it was nice. You were green before green was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, just you know. kind of experimental. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now everyone else is copying off of your homework. <laughs> all these years later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now that's just one of many houses in the area 
how many houses in the Climax Scots community have the two of your handprints, fingerprints, <laughs> probably financial prints, <laughs> somewhere or another? Because well, it's a number of different houses in the area, isn't it? I've been involved in 12 houses, but I can't remember if they're all we had. There are four on East Owen Avenue, mm -hmm. right? That you built, yeah, three together and then the one down the road. Down. Down. Yeah, yeah. Yep. and then I helped build, I built one with Paul over on my son-in-law, over on the, the gravel road, that's Amman Avenue. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, I, I actually did most of Jim Patterson's, Jim and Lisa, and my nephew and niece, because they had a, it was interesting, they had a, his brother-in-law <laughs> said he was a builder, and it was the worst mess I ever got into. <laughs> there was not a door opening, that a door would fit, there was not a window that I had to do something, it was, it was horrible. But anyway, we got through it, so that was one, and Jeff's house. Yeah, Jeff's house and, south of oh, town. Another one for Paul and Brenda. On, uh, we built a... Uh, in town. In town. Down on the cul-de-sac in town. Mm -hmm. uh, that we put a in-law house on, or apartment on, so that we lived there a while. And, uh, and my house. On M and Evans. Yeah, I did a lot of work on it. A lot of work on it, yeah. Didn't really build it, but... The house just after the curve there on Emma. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. I remember the place. Yeah. Yep. I had a builder, but you, you know, Dad did some. Uncle Gerald did some. Yeah. Uh, my uncle Bill supplied the material, and that's what it yeah. was. Yeah. Well, had, had their hands in it anyway. Well, so many of the houses in town is you know later generations maybe built an addition or did some renovations. Yes. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I think it was when my dad might have been building on the living room on the house where my parents still live to this day. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a kid thinking it was so funny, they were using newspaper for insulation. And one of the newspapers that was in there, it said something like mantle hits, I forget what number home run for the season. And as a kid, it was just like, oh my God, it might as well have been a thousand years old to my, oh my. six-year-old brain. Oh, or absolutely. Right, right. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And then it, yeah. you Gosh, when you look at modern building codes and things, you wonder, it, it's a wonder some of these houses never blew over mm -hmm. in a stiff breeze. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I I worked on a lot of houses, you know. Like, uh, we live right across from the bank. Doing something for other people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I remember Maynard Piper out north of town when they had that, because she wanted to do have a beauty shop, and he wanted me to do it. They wanted brick and stuff, and I said, I've never laid brick. He said, well, but I know you can. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> well, I know you can because my very first memory of you when I was old enough to know, okay, that's Mr. Longman, his, his wife is Charlene, was you were building the dugouts that are still there to this day at the okay. baseball field. <laughs> that would is about for you a little. Yeah, I think Bob had us up there for some little league batting practice or something. I remember you were doing, I believe it was the mason work, and then yeah, I think Bob Weatherall was up there maybe cutting some fence or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, there was a few around uh, there again. Uh, just trying to think if Gene Davis. Gene Davis, I think was. I think he. We poured all the cement. George Zierwester and I. You remember George? Oh, I do very poured, well. Poured all 
retaining wall around the baseball field <coughs> and and uh, around the post. Uh, you was telling, I think you were telling who did the, I think uh, Max Greenman and somebody else was more involved with the fence itself, but uh, but, <coughs> but we poured the, the solid to hold it up <laughs> pretty much. I think you did a good job because I'm pretty sure those are the exact same dugouts that are there today. And actually, they, they aren't. Did those get rebuilt or replaced? Yeah, at some point? They, wasn't we built the original dugouts on it? Everything was kind of on a shoestring. The uh, core engineers from Fort Custer come over and they graded. That used to be quite a hill there, and the Fort the engineers and now it kind of comes and drops down and then flattens out. And they did that from Fort Custer, the Corps of Engineers. And, uh, but then a few years down the road, and Bob would be, would remember that real well because he uh, did a lot inside of me, put in all the racks and shelves and everything else. But we just built the dugouts and put the roofs on. We built a concession stand, et cetera now. So yeah, th those are still there, but that was a few years after the original dugout. <laughs> and Dan helped on the concession, didn't so he? So the yeah. original block was taken down and redone, or the original yeah. block? Yeah, okay. we took them right out. Okay. Yeah, we started. Okay. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Well, and where did you, you might have seen the second one? Probably so. Yeah, yeah because I'm sure the first was before your time. Because the the dugouts that I'm referencing were about 1988 or so, probably 1987, 1988, yeah. somewhere in there. That's, That's the one I remember where that was the significant upgrade to the yes. prior dugout structure. It was actually about. enclosed and weatherproof. And Did you did you play? I played on the old skin infield before they did anything to it. Before they, yeah. the coordinators go, so it was after here. So it was probably in the 70s that we built the first dugouts. <clears throat> and then the 80s revision to that. That's the one that both your boys would have played in. Mm -hmm. That would have been yeah. their dugouts. And yeah. 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 Shifting gears from it, we're definitely coming back to the construction of sports structures <laughs> and <laughs> donations of time to different sporting events. But Charlene, how many people would you wager you have fed in Climax over the years? Oh well, and if we count repeats, how many meals do you would you guess that you've prepared for different community functions oh over the years? It has to be in the thousands. Thousands is right. <laughs> well, for Rotary, I cooked for 50 years for Rotary uh, dinners. And you would do every fourth Rotary meeting? Every, yeah. Yeah, every, about every once fourth, a month. Uh, yeah, about 12 every, times a year, 50 years just doing Rotary. So, yeah. And, yeah. and then in the, in the e, uh, Eastern, you know, in the, in the lodge, cooking the chicken dinners for the public, I did that 17 for, years. I couldn't remember for sure how many. About seventeen. About seventeen, and that was once every three months that I did that. But we in charge of that. Two yeah. to three hundred there. Yeah, yeah. That I remember was those the two dinners. main, the two Chicken. main, you know. And all the funerals and the funeral uh, dinners in the church. Oh yes, all all of those. Well, almost anything that was a gathering of people in the church, from oh, just yeah. church on Sundays to. Weddings, it, memorials, exactly, and everything exactly. in between. The yeah. Sunday school, I taught for many, many years in the yeah. Sunday school. And then the choir. We both sang in the choir. Enjoyed that. 
yeah, the uh, the the volunteering. If I figured the hours, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I would. I could figure that. But uh, uh, lots of people, and and I was involved with other people, so it wasn't just me doing that. But uh, you just had yeah. headed a committee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Well, I, well, I equally remember Eleanor Smith being oh, involved yes, in. Yes, yes, Eleanor. Was probably just about every one of those same meals. Yeah, Jeanette yeah. Rowe. Jeanette Rowe and. Yeah, Nellie, Lou, and I Nellie have been proved nip and tuck with each other over the years. She was just uh, one yeah. grade below me. And Lou was killed yeah. a lot of years. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, and, and it's, uh, I think she's about finished with it, too. I don't think she can do much anymore, but yeah, yeah. I think our family and the Vosburgh family and the Sinclair family and Smith. <coughs> Probably the main one's been there forever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I started working on Rotary Dinners on, under Mary Smith, who was... Um, Herb Smith, sorry. Herb Smith. Presley. Yeah. She got me to... And, and was Ray's dad? Our, yeah, Ray's dad. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be Ray's dad. Yeah. yeah, she got me A lot of nice people. <laughs> Sinclair's, the Smiths. Yeah. Well, there's so many generations. Generations, yeah. yeah. You, Aunt Marcia would keep you. Because she was living by the park there. Mm -hmm. yeah. And she would keep you while I was up at Rotary, you know, until you started school. And then, of course, Dan. But, uh, yeah, so that was how I got started there. Gave me a day out. <laughs> anyway, thousands of people. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my, yes. Oh Just my looking God. at the generations, I mean, I was... Joking with Gary, I think when I first ran into him at the first home football game, when mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, gosh, our our families or different branches of our families have been intersected for over a hundred years oh at this point. Yes. We oh, look yeah. at yeah. even in this conversation, you mm -hmm. went to school with Dwayne, right? Right. Uh, you know, several right. of your children were on or around my parents' ages. Yes. I had Gary's boys a couple years old. I mean, his oldest boy, Chad, was Chad. in my sister Jenny's same class. Okay. Mike was just, I think, three years ahead of me in school. Okay, so and they then, were around your time in school. Yeah. And then I was, and well, yeah. was, and now that I'm back home, still uh -huh. am kind of running in cahoots with some of Jeff's kids, with Jackie sure. and Janelle. With Jack. and, oh, oh, absolutely. Jackie, Jackie has your name in things every once in a while on my Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I was good. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Oh yeah. Hopefully it wasn't sharing most wanted posters. No, or no, no, no. She's no. one of your biggest fans. I think she's one of your biggest fans with this, and and I've just been trying to understand what it it was all, what it you know I had no idea what it is. But <laughs> so, I'm talking about your 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 grandfather. Do you, uh, you? Of course, you probably remember Pete. Oh yeah. But I don't. Mm -hmm. But Everett probably not. Yeah, I believe Everett passed away quite a bit yeah. before I was born. Mm -hmm. But he, it's inter he is interesting. Of course, they were all friends of mine. But he was a senior when I was a freshman, I believe. Uh, the first, first time I went out for football, we had practice, and I carried, I carried the ball. Of course, I was five foot two, a hundred and. 10 pounds, and Everett picked me right up with both hands <laughs> and kind of held me for a minute while he just grabbed me and put me back down. I thought, do I really want to play football? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
he, but he was a gentle giant. Yeah. Yeah. A couple a couple pats on the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, kid. Anyway, I didn't play. <laughs> yeah. I, then I think I, I kind of dropped out, and then went back out. After I grew the next year, I grew. I had grown six inches, so I was. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he had some nice. I'll say, great uncles. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, you know, I never knew Uncle Everett, but Uncle Pete I saw a number of times yeah. in my youth. Well, he moved away, so kind of lost touch with him after, you know, because he, he worked in the hardware for years. And, yeah. and, but, of course, Bob was, we were close. They had that, that strength, and all of them had that booming voice. Yeah. <laughs> never had to wonder if Bob Weesey Sr. was in a room talking. No, you, no. you knew. You knew. Volume. Yeah. 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 I have thought of him so many times since we have come here because when we go to the dining room many times some that voice comes booming over the dining room there's a gentleman here that has a voice like that and I it always put me in mind of, of, of his voice yeah, you're speaking of yeah <laughs> The, yeah, yeah. the many fishing trips, the many hunting trips. My <laughs> my mom was just reminiscing again as we were talking on the way over about she really misses getting those pans of fish already caught and cleaned and everything. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. Yeah, we had a lot of them. <laughs> of course, after I <clears throat> got Cub Scouts, then got Boy Scouts. I took my Boy Scout troops to Canada, and that was a blast. And it was Steve Way. Two, three, four years ago, he said to me, he said, that's the most memorable experience of my life. <laughs> the scouts. So I guess they, they all like, because I've heard it from all of them. Because I'd always give them a, a photo album, each of them, of pictures they took. And so mm -hmm. yeah. quite a bit of fishing up there. Gary even went reluctantly one time. The only fishing trip of my life. <laughs> but it was, I, did, I enjoyed it. But, yeah. Yeah, well, it was, you know, it was different, a one-time thing. Yep. You, know. yep. you found out you didn't want to do it again. Yeah. I mean, it's... I could have done it every year. <laughs> so anyway, that was the scouts. Well, and there was also, there was a hunting cabin that you guys would go to. Was that your cabin? Or I, I don't know that I ever knew who owned the cabin or if that was a rental, but I remember you and Grandpa and some other friends would go up north like once a year for many years. That was, uh, I'm not sure, uh, Bill, uh, who had the, the cabin up there in Bill's family? I can't remember. But anyway. Yeah, I don't think that was you. But they I, went deer hunting, but yeah, that wasn't with, with me. No, but I can remember hearing from Dwayne, you know, and Bob, you know, about going when it was time for him to go. So I oh, kind of yeah. know some I of the people that was, in that group, but they, it was not your group. No, that was, uh, that was actually the Hayward. The Hayward family. That's right. I think cabin, it would be yeah. mostly the yeah. Haywards. That, because uh, yeah. Dwayne went to their cabin, yeah, mm -hmm. that, and that's where... Bob went. Yep. It was in there somewhere. Just had to rattle the people. Yeah, yeah. That's why I had. That was the yeah. other part of the family connection. Yeah. Yeah. Just well, one, every, one more branch. Everybody in Climax at that time. Everybody knew everybody, and everybody was friends. And and you never know who. Back years ago, when my dad went to Canada fishing, uh, Herb Smith, uh, Newell Sinclair, 
And I remember. John Culver part of that? No. No, he wasn't fishing. But there was half a dozen guys went up to Canada fishing. And yeah. I've still got the uh, thing in the drawer there that they were, Herb Smith wrote up on it. Mm-hmm. You might be interested looking at it. Oh, I, I love that kind of yeah. stuff. Like seeing, I love going through like archives of the Crescent and mm-hmm. different Smiths that yeah. had it at different yeah. points, and then obviously the Rolfs now. And, Oh, Bob Emerson was one of them, I think. That's right, Bob Emerson. Bob Emerson, yeah. Some of the old boys were one of us at the time. They weren't all that old, though. My dad died when he was 55, so you know they weren't too old. But, uh, well, back, that, back then, that trip to Canada must have taken half a day. Oh, my gosh. Now yeah. you can do it in five hours, but back yeah. then it probably took yeah. 12. <laughs> yeah, they had to go up. They had to catch a train and take the train, and they had to pick them up off the train and take them to the lake. And yeah, it was, it was a good all-day trip. And usually it was two days from the time he left home to he was actually there. We stayed overnight with the scouts more than once uh, because we couldn't get up there and get into the where we were going in a day. So we had some pretty good trips. <laughs> I did that other than every other year. I did it. I lived go to Boy Scout camp with Ben Johnson one year and then to Canada the next year. Give them a, some good experiences. Yeah, that's that's something that I think that was really missing in Scouts because I tried Cub Scouts. It wasn't my thing, but it definitely wasn't. I don't even think they really went camping at that point anymore, of course. The more people learned, the more they became paranoid of things, where it's like, you know, kids used to play outside. It's okay. (laughs) They survived. Just sleep on the ground. (laughs) Nobody think of it today. Climax Boy Scouts was the only ones to go to Camp T. Ben Johnson and stay out there on the point and rough it. Everybody else slept in Yeah, the rest of them. We did the, what they call primitive camping, and and the rest of them went to the the setups. Yeah. What, what's camping mean? No air conditioning. That's <laughs> <what I> mean. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. You remember Doc, Doc Tyson? Hmm? Yeah. He was, <laughs> he was up there, and we were going into the lake. We were on the boat, and, and Doc, he was in Bill's boat, and Doc, got, he got up, and he was looking around like this, and he said, what are you looking for? Is it the Holiday Inn? That sounds like me too, to be quite. <laughs> he was funny, but he actually was a good, a good camper. You know, he just. <laughs> <laughs> Can I see that visual? Too? The strain in his face, looking over the mug and off into the middle distance. And I, actually, he had to. He had to sew up his own son before we even hardly got one. out of Walla. He, <laughs> I told the kids to wear Shoot. sneakers or something to go in the water, but he didn't anyway. He cut his foot, so he brought two super suture kits with him. Luckily, <laughs> but he sewed him up there. We got into camp. Steve Way he went in without him there at camp and had to sew him up. <laughs> Did Doc get a badge for that or anything? <laughs> he was working on it. He was under, underpaid for it. So anyway, it was, we had some interesting experiences. You know, in later years, we ended up in Florida in a, in a 
the same uh, mobile home park that Doc and, and his wife were at. Yeah. Not Julie, yeah, they were but uh, Allison. Allison. Yeah. And it was so much fun for me to listen to these guys talk, you know, about these trips and things, you know, and hear his take on it because all I ever heard was, you know, him come <laughs> home and tell, you know, about these things. So he, that he, was interesting for me. He liked to hunt. Yeah. So he, I, he, I raised pheasants, so yeah. turn yeah. them loose back on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he didn't was, hunt much, but. But he made it count when he did, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, that was it's, I actually took a, I should tell that too, I actually took a group of girls to Canada fishing. <laughs> that was interesting. That was fun. Uh, but eight girls. Our daughter was one Our of them. Our daughter was one of them. Uh, L.J. Leach, Norma. Okay. Mm -hmm. you know, he, he, his daughter. Gerald's two daughters. Gerald and his two daughters. I can't remember. Anyway, the, the, they, those guys went with us. Anyway, about four or five of the dads went with us, so uh, and they had a blast. He said he enjoyed that really a little, even more than oh, more yeah. taking the boys. He well, they were such time. troopers. We had the worst weather <laughs> <laughs> with the girls we ever had with the boys, yeah. but they just set the tent and play cards if it rained. <laughs> so yeah, that, they were tickled to go. That was a good experience. Paula went, and she would. Ger yeah, Paula and Lisa both went with Gerald. Yeah. And uh, but Brenda said the boys all got. They you know, took all the boys, so it was. She wanted to have it. Turn to her. Turn to her. Poor Yeah. You know what you're getting into. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Took all the family along with that. Took all, all the kids and grandkids to out west hunting. Mule deer and animal. At least one time. <laughs> and, uh, was that Montana or Wyoming? Wyoming. It was Wyoming. Yeah. Been in Montana, Colorado, or Wyoming, but that was Wyoming. Yeah. So to go back to sort of the volunteering and the construction of things and I, I think there's a lot of folks that listen to this show now that maybe are younger members of the community or even newer to the community mm -hmm. that know that I am speaking in no exaggeration when I say things like baseball dugouts and, you know, for as powerful as the Climax football program has mm -hmm. become mm -hmm. uh, in the last 20 to 25 years mm -hmm. or so. Uh, people think I'm kidding when I say my senior year, we didn't have a varsity football team because there weren't enough guys to go out for the team. How much it's changed. But, I remember that year. But you know, big, you know, what are the, is it Big Blue Stadium now, the, the property? Yeah, I'm still getting used to being back home. But sure. Before it was just the football field. Yeah. Right. In my day, it was just the football field. But yeah. Big Blue Stadium mm -hmm. basically didn't even exist until about 1991 or 92, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. And I've got you remember the two, two of the sets of hands that quite literally built Big Blue mm -hmm. Stadium yeah. in the room with me right yeah, now. 1991 is what the, the complex was built. Well, Gary forced me into it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, at the time when he started talking about it, I thought, holy cow, that's quite a project. <laughs> but uh, once we got going and to, to start out with Jim Wade was a huge help because being there at school and he could get me set up with things and stuff like that. So, but anyway, and then there was a lot of others. Probably should. Hell, I hate to start mentioning names because I know on the one, 
one. Must have I think I've got a list right here, as a matter of fact. But. Dale Miller. Dale? Yep, yep. yep. Dale Miller, because his, big, big his oldest boy was a class of 94. Yep. He was a big help on the, uh, the concession stand restroom building. He didn't work on the, uh, the football field, but, but of course, the football part was... There's just so many. Oh, sure. I mean, gosh, just off of this list. Phil Wurzel, Ron Van Dyken, Bill Soul, Terry Siebert, Jim Longman, Jim Wade, Rick Stuck, Gary Longman, Earl Mann, Ron and Bob Johnson, Mike Reveal, Ralph Wieses, Tom Kidd, Dennis Van Middlesworth, Norm Johnson. I'm only like a quarter of the way through. I could do a podcast probably just reading this list. <laughs> some of those were... It was a community project. But the big... The, there was some that were uh, an extra big help, of course, like I said, with Jim Wade and uh, uh, Gene Davis <clears throat> were big, the biggest help because they did a lot of work. Jim, Jim, uh, Gene Davis would, I'd lay up corners when we did the, the press box, the big two-story mm -hmm. press box. I'd lay up corners and then he'd come home from work after he'd been working all day and fill them in, you know. Can I, I offer you some water? Sure, please. Thank you. And Gary, you got your got my, yeah, oh, okay. But anyway, he, he, about every other day, he'd come and lay box. Between the two of us, we got him up. And I, I think what a lot of the newer generations or younger generations may not quite grasp, like I know there's this wonderful new auxiliary gym that's been built, and that happened through millages and things like that, right. and... Yeah some basically governmental-based fundraising. This was not, here's a, a budget, here's a, and I'm not saying this is exactly what happened with the auxiliary gym, but even in the early 90s, it's not like somebody said, hey, here's your, uh, oh, we can, anywhere, anywhere. anywhere. Thank okay. you so much. Um, it's not like somebody said, hey, here's a pile of money, go crazy. Like this was people out of their own pockets. This was various uh Donors. I mean, I was even joking with Gary, I think, on the elevator ride up here that I don't think there's a thing that says, you know, this tile or partially donated by that doesn't have the two of your names <laughs> on it someplace in town. But where do you think it comes from for the two of you and Gary for you as well to just want to do that? Because having lived away for more than 20 years, I can tell you the bigger cities where right. I've lived the last 20 years, something like that didn't happen even in 1991. This well, is truly just folks got together to do stuff for the kids. Well, it's all wanting to do things. It's all work of the kids. We started out from the time we had little kids. You like to do stuff, and they appreciate it. Kids appreciate uh, things more than adults. <laughs> I'll put it that way. And <clears throat> it was just fun to do things for kids. And it's just a way of life with me growing up on a farm, and, and uh, we... I consider now that we were poor, but I didn't know it. You know, we were, you know, we had what we needed, you know, and uh, it's just That's the way true. you always was doing for somebody else. So. And you want, I want, we wanted to have good facilities. Yes. You know, because something that we didn't have, mm -hmm. and uh, you got to have a little ambition. <laughs> <laughs> and that's tough to get under motion sometimes. Especially when you're in doubt, you know, like with that big project with the football field that uh, I built in you know, all the forms to pour all those steps and all that stuff and, and uh, just different stuff like that, you know, it's quite a big job. 
when you were telling me just before we turned the microphones on that every single bracket for the bleacher seats there, that was a Kellogg company? Compliments to Kellogg. Yeah, they, they put a film down there. And, and uh, Labor was by the Climax guy, but they yeah, Kellogg but, donated the time. Yeah, Norm Jensen. If you remember Norm Jensen or something with Jensen Boys, uh, Norm did all the welding for us. And some of the other welders down there put some of them together. But Norm did all the railings, you know, all the railings up there. It was all done. Anything metal, uh, or well, I'll say steel there, was welded by Norm Jensen. And, of course, he's gone now. But, uh, but Kellogg's was very instrumental. They, I was pretty, <clears throat> pretty well liked at Kellogg's. I was considered a... They thought a good employee, but, but so they, I didn't ask much of them, but they did do so. Yeah, they pretty much always went along. With so they were they were real good about it. Well, and to that point, it, with some of the things we've talked about, like building dugouts, building you know stadiums, and all of this community involvement, this was all while working full time. <laughs> by the way, early so the lion's share of that was still Until, while yeah. working full time. Yeah, so this was truly just a a spare time. Doing it for the community, doing it for the kids. Well, I took a leave of absence while he did it because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, he, I didn't see much of him during those weeks. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, guess it wasn't a leave of absence. I just mean, you know, I <laughs> consider he was taking a leave of absence. <laughs> just backed off for a while. Yeah, yeah. You know, the process on that berm was interesting because you had to bring in the dirt. And then a bunch of guys had to go through and pack it in the machine. A lot of guys were doing hand packing. Yeah, they had tampers. Yeah, then they had to sit, and then you did a row. And then a day or so later, they brought in more dirt, packing, tamping, and a day or so later, they did another row. So it was a slow process to work your way up to the top of the berm. And oh, it was, yeah. They, <coughs> they had trouble keeping up with, with this Terry Siebert. Right, probably, I should mention him, because Terry Siebert was very big in getting the dirt there. That yep. big berm yes. was all hauled in. And, uh, yeah, sometimes we got a little behind. Sometimes we had the cement higher than the burr. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how many dozen or hundred trips Terry's big hauler, because at the time, Terry, I think, just had the one big truck when he I was so. when he moved the old parsonage house out to the other side mm -hmm. or the other end of the railroad tracks. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. I don't know how many dozen or hundred trips he made from kind of that area mm -hmm. past my folks' house up to the school hauling sure. the... The, what could only be described as a big old mound of dirt was quite literally how that whole thing started. And mm -hmm. uh, Gary shared some pictures with me here. I realize doesn't make great for an audio podcast, no, but I'll no, but probably find a way to snag those on our Facebook page or something so mm -hmm. folks can can kind of share that because it's it's truly wild. Like for me, it's it's a great memory, but for folks that have basically just kind of lived in an area where there's magically been a football field since yeah, the early yeah. 90s. It was just there. It's, yeah. it's one of the, for my growing up, it's one of the most climax stories there is, mm -hmm. where just a whole bunch of the parents and grandparents of the community, like, pooled money, pooled resources, and, ju and just did it because it was for the kids. Mm -hmm. It was for mm -hmm. the school. And to the point where, when you look at, like, our baseball field, how many years did we hear from other schools, and probably still do, like, oh, it's an honor to come play on the field oh, at Climax. Yeah. It's so well maintained. Some of their tournaments, they use our field. When we build it, there wasn't one around like it, especially at a small school. I don't know. All the schools in the state. <laughs> 
Well, in that field, it was that's a lot of memories for you too because my dad was saying to me, weren't you one of the first teams to ever play under the lights up there after oh, they yeah. first put the lights in? Yeah. I mean, what what was that like as a kid? Was it just like, okay, we're playing games at night, or did it kind of the magnitude of that land on you that this is kind of a thing? Like, yeah. this is a, a community affair, and people even from other towns would come in just because night oh. games for kids, like, that was... You might as well have been saying, hey, somebody landed on the moon. It was just something that <laughs> just did not happen in those well, days. we had... There's nothing to have a crowd of 300 people watching a baseball game. I played, I played one year. Always talk about Bob Everseen and his dad. Bob Everseen had a he sponsored a summer pro team, and Merle Hitchings and Bob Everseen and uh, Claire Jones. I don't know how many of them you remember, but but we had a good team there, and. One year, Big Bob come to Ed, Eddie Dalton and I, we were sophomores, we just finished our sophomore year, and wanted to know if we wanted to play with them. Well, we were like, play with all you men, <laughs> semi-pro. Well, anyway, we did, and uh, it was fun in a way, but in a way it was a long time because I mean, it was interesting, we played You've heard of Satchel Page. Mm -hmm. We played against his team. He didn't play, but uh, Chicago Black Sox, Cleveland Cl Clowns, I think they call them. I don't remember now, but there were several black teams. House of David, you ever, you remember the House of David? Heard of it, yeah. Over mm -hmm. by Benton Harbor. And they had a great team. In fact, I played senior softball for 22 years and I played against one of the House of David guys in Florida. <laughs> Yeah, beards. yeah all over, he still had his beard. Yeah. <laughs> he had some 50-year-old rivalries at that point. <laughs> so it was a lot of interesting things that uh, big, especially Bob Everseen promoted in our little village that, that brought in the crowds, you know, help pay for the lights. It was a big item of paying for the lights. He raised all the money to pay for the lights. Did you play under the lights all through high school? No. Oh, okay. Now, because of, it wasn't really fair to the other schools. Okay. I mean, we did if they didn't mind, but, uh, yeah, mostly day games. But the lights were there your whole high school career until then? Okay. Yeah, that late. I can't remember when they were, yeah. yeah. They were there, maybe my junior year. I don't know. Mm -hmm. One Dwayne told me about many different things that happened under the lights, like the old tractor pulls and things. Oh, and, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I went to a Ben climax in that. <laughs> <laughs> the social center, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took a long time to get to big cities, and they didn't have social media, so the, the town was the center of the social <laughs> life. <and laughs> it was definitely different. People <coughs> don't realize today, I mean, today, the average person's realm it's pretty small, you know, kind of mainly their own family. They, I'm going to say the average person is pretty much involved with, with their own family, the younger generation, because, well, for a lot of reasons, there's so much more going on now with the social media and all that stuff. So they're pretty much busy with their own families. <laughs> Where back then we were busy with everybody's family. Yeah, I mean, gosh, just 
going up to the football game. It's a wonder I even see any plays because I'm still in that phase where I run into, bump into somebody. I haven't seen you in 20, 25 years. (laughs) I think the last home game last week, I I can't tell you a whole lot about the game other than the score, but I can tell you what five people I ran into. (laughs) And that is one of the things I miss the most. You know, we're not able to get out there too. Yeah, we miss going to all the... We miss going to that stuff. The sporting events. Yeah. But it's the same when I was a cheerleader, and when we cheered, I didn't know nothing about football, you know. (laughs) I didn't have time to stand there, and and I didn't have, you know, other people teaching me anything about it. Like, I learned when they started playing, you know, that... But being yeah. a cheerleader, you're busy with that. That was, All our boys that was the thing that, that you did. And that was my world at that time. So I didn't pay any attention to football with how the game went. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, all the kids were good athletes. Brenda was a good athlete. But she didn't have the heart for it. But she didn't, uh, the fire, <laughs> she was more subdued friendly and Got along with everybody, but she didn't like mixing it up in basketball and things like that. It got to be kind of a rough game, but she was good. Gosh, even you know my age group, I was mixed in with your kids and grandkids of different yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. Even with Brenda, like okay, yep, Brenda's kids were right, a couple yeah. years younger than me. And sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the podcast. Let's give some love. Who who are all the kids for maybe newer listeners? So who are the direct kids of Jim and Charlie Longman besides the one we've got with us right here today? So we've got Gary. Yeah. And we've got Brenda. So what? Who's the oldest? Gary's the oldest. Okay. And then Dan. Okay. And he's the one that was quite involved physically with the. Uh, he did. He was the roofer. He, okay. he put the roof on the concession stand, him and his one or two of his guys, and the, the uh, press, press box. box. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff he did. And uh, so he was a big help. Yes. The uh, dugouts, the concession stand that the, there, put the, built that. These part of it. I know he was involved with it. Yep, yep, did a lot of that. Then so, but then Jeff, then Jeff the youngest one, he, he was a big worker. Now, he, he did a lot, His he did a big, put in a lot of hours when we remodeled the church, did the whole new inside. He put hours and hours in the church. And, uh, but he also worked up on the athletic field some too. But with five kids, <laughs> He was a little busier than. <laughs> they yes, they are the community now. They're about yeah. the only ones left left uh, in town. They're the big ones involved up at school now, as far as the mm-hmm. Longman family, because they photograph him and her both up there taking mm-hmm. pictures all the time. Jackie, yeah. oh, she's done just a wonderful Jackie, job. Jackie, she's been so instrumental. Yeah. If it hadn't been for her, I don't think we'd have got that gymnasium, that, the new gym. She was pushing that, and boy, we wouldn't get it today, I know that, but. Mm-hmm. 
I'm so glad it ended up being placed where it was. I mean, yes. from 200 miles away, even hearing a whisper of that might end up going on the baseball field. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. You're right. They, they, I don't want to get into the politics or no, anything of it, nor no. did I know them, but I just thought, gosh, uh-huh. oh, my, please did, don't let that happen. They did hear from me and a few others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was in the end, it would be whatever they do or they'll do, but we put in our two cents. I'm she very she glad finished. it went the way that it yes. did, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Perfect. She, she finished the job that actually I had started. It was after the football field was built. That's right. Athletic Blizzard that I was uh, president of. That's we right. tried to get a, our, a auxiliary general mm-hmm. in the basketball program and some other stuff. And it was really difficult. And oh. really it kind of burned out on the football field. Mm-hmm. Trying to do another that. volunteer project like that. Uh, it just wasn't going to come together and it was too much money. So. Yeah, because that was only about, what, probably a six or seven year spread maybe at the most between, between two those two. Because yeah, yeah. I remember in my high school days there being whispers of yep. Yep. another gym or like do we improve the intermediate gym, do we do an auxiliary gym, things like that. And unfortunately it came down, it could only be done with millage and back then an additional millage for that would not affect no, the yeah. millage. Not gonna, not just timing was wrong. Mm-hmm. But we knew that bad. That one gym just was overflowed. We couldn't. Well, especially when you got into, I mean, just junior high and high school alone, but then when you get into, once you got to about second or third grade, then you had a youth basketball practice for every grade. We kind of got carried away with, I've never been a fan, I've never been a fan of rocket football. Uh, Our boys, they didn't play till they were in junior high. Till they're somewhat developed and knew what they were doing. I mean, I look at it more, and pardon me, parents, but I look at it more as a parents' thing than, than for the kids, because they they're kind of lost out there at five, six, seven, eight years old. Yeah, I've got a my cousin Kyle's son is four, and he just started in a soccer program. He said it looks a little more like herding cats than, you know, <laughs> kids playing a sport. It's <laughs> awful. <laughs> yes. well, luckily at that age, they start out more five on five, and so it's not quite as big a herd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they keep the hype down some, but when they start giving trophies to five to T-ballers, <laughs> thank you. This, this is the old people coming in now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're getting age here now. <laughs> yeah, that's our little... Well, I think, old. you know, I think those kind of things you should earn. To <laughs> yeah, save them for high school. Or, or, or a more significant accomplishment than I showed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the participa- you hear the participation thing now. It's a participation trophy. Yeah, that had just kind of started, I think, when I was coming up through school. I, I got a participant ribbon or two in my trophy collection, but let's just say they aren't the most coveted uh, pieces. <laughs> of your ribbons. Huh? They're, they're at the bottom of the tub in the back of the closet. Uh-huh. You don't show them off. Oh, look at that. I showed up to field day in 1992. I'll tell this story to my grandkids. <laughs> Like, I think I threw a shot put that day. I don't remember how far. I probably yeah. didn't place, but <laughs> but here's a ribbon. <laughs> well, at some point, by the time I was in junior high, I figured out that I was way better at playing the tuba than I was at uh, tackling anybody or <laughs> throwing a ball or yeah. swinging a bat or anything like that. We're all blessed with different talents. Yeah. You bet. You you bet. A, a gift of a great voice and some other things. Uh, you know. 
Oh, you know what? At, at, 40, at 43, my body's, my body's probably thankful that I'm better with a microphone than a baseball bat or a, a football helmet anyway. Yeah. I, did, I did get involved in coaching a bit there at school with Tom Kidd. The, I got involved more than once, but with Tom Kidd in basketball, and they, had, they didn't have a JV coach. And I, they asked me if, if I wanted it, and Tom Kidd kind of wanted it. And I didn't want the money, so I said, I'll let Tom Kidd have the job, and I'll just assist him. And Tom was happy, and I was happy, and we had a blast of coaching girls JV basketball. I remember that. That was, I think that started in my high school years or right before. I do yeah, remember probably, that. Yeah, Because John Munson was still coaching the varsity girls at yeah. the yeah. time. But Yeah, because Jackie was one of the, one of them that was in at the time. And the same way with softball. Jackie was playing softball when I started coaching. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, you're right. It was in that area. And uh, I just uh, really liked it. And I, in fact, I... <laughs> Gary knows about it, but I, about 12 years ago or so, Kevin called me and said, we don't have a basketball coach for the JV girls. And I hadn't coached for six, eight years, because I, I coached for, up in the you know, 50s and 60s. I'm 70-something then. And I said, well, I really don't, I've been you know, away from Kevin, I really don't want to do it. And so that was June. July, he calls me again. He said, we still don't have a coach for <laughs> JV girls. I said, keep looking, will you? I said, I really don't. And <laughs> guess what? In August, he calls me again. <laughs> and he said, we still don't have a coach. And by then, I'm, I'm not a very happy camper because I'm thinking, what's wrong up there at that school? <laughs> and the people don't want to coach. And, and, I, and anyway, I said, when's the first game? Two weeks. <laughs> I'm going to get yeah. 50. 12 girls that I've never seen before or anything and got to have them ready for a game in two weeks. And, but anyway, I said, I'll take it. And uh, so I did. And I found out why nobody wanted them. They hadn't won a game in eighth grade. Oh. <laughs> but we, we did real well. We had, we, they dropped all the easy games, Tecatchia, Litchfield, Baroque, all that, and Added on Delton Kellogg, Parchment, Bridgman. <laughs> so, but believe it or not, we still had a 500 season. And uh, the Bridgman coach come over after the game told me, you know, coach, you're the s second toughest team we've played all year. <laughs> and I thought, what? That major year. He said, you and Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo Central are the only two schools that held us under a running clock. They were 20 and 0, and they'd run 18 of their games with a running clock. That made my season. I, these girls came a long ways. That's kind of the story of so many different programs in Climax for athletics. And then uh -huh. I even remember in my era of band, and we had a fairly small band. And gosh, some of us had instruments held together with duct tape and dreams, oh, yeah. it seemed like. Yeah. But Damn. some of the biggest schools in the area, they didn't they would almost lobby to have Climax not play early because they didn't want to follow Diane Stoddard's kids because she knew she was, you know, an excellent teacher, coach, director, and everything would be tightened up and tuned up. And I can't tell you how many times, oh, we don't have that instrument. Hey, Carl, put a 
towel down your horn and blow real loud, and it'll sound kind of like this instrument. And, and it, but still, it's sometimes it's okay. You're it's like the little engine that could. You may not have infinite resources. Lord knows, there's not a you know billion dollar enterprise in in uh, you know holding climax together. But small numbers. But just that. You know they're going to try their butts off, mm-hmm. no yep. matter what yeah. you're competing against them in. Whether we, it's a sport, a we drama, a forensics, <laughs> a band, it's I can remember um, um, earning money for band uniforms, because Dan was in band, and uh, uh, our second son, Dan. And uh, that was always a big deal, I thought, at the time. And That's a lot of money. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had different... Uh, Things that we did to earn money to buy them uniforms. I don't know how many years they wore them, but the things they were wearing were terrible. <laughs> Actually, the uniforms that were purchased probably for Dan's oh, age, mm-hmm. I, I think those only got replaced when I got to high school. Because oh. I know that the, the uniforms that uh, we, because my freshman year of high school, mm-hmm. we got new uniforms. Like, mm-hmm. very similar story. The music boosters had, yeah. You know, done whatever we had to do to you know roll pennies for gas or whatever we got to do yeah we did a lot of different projects just to earn the money for those but it was the old before that generation's uniforms where it was like a new tuxedo Mm -hmm. set and some nice new marching uniforms Mm -hmm. before that was uh what i could only describe as a 70s yellow jacket for the (laughs) the junior high kids and then the (laughs) high school i think maybe had a a black jacket or something but it was it was a solid 20-year run or more for yeah. the uniforms. It had to have been around 1970. Well, they were expensive. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it wasn't well, just a pair of pants and a jacket. That was... Well, and that's the other thing, too, that I... Obviously, anybody who's going to listen to Climax, the podcast, probably kind of knows the deal with Climax <laughs> or what it's all about. Uh-huh. But when I try to articulate these things about why I loved my town when I was basically doing city living, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of it it just doesn't resonate. Like if somebody has that prototypical, like the Hollywood high school experience, just like all of us can watch a movie and understand, okay, there's a thousand kids in the school. I understand the idea of it, but we can't relate to it. Mm -hmm. We're used to, okay, well, we had about as many kids as there are at these two lunch tables in this cafeteria scene. And I knew every one of those kids, whether Mm -hmm. they were in my class or not, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether you were good friends with them or not, you knew who they were, you knew who their parents were, you probably knew what house was there. Where they lived, yep. I mean, even to this day, how many houses do we all pass and play the game of, Mm -hmm. okay, I know who lives there now, but then first it was this. I don't know who lives there. There's a Longman house. Every time I go to town now. Like it used to be every year when we went to Florida. They tore this down and and built something else on that corner. You know, things change every year. And that, that's the way it is now with me when I go out there. <laughs> wow, you know. That, it, yeah. Reference point, yeah. We can relate to that. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more, though. I was thinking on, we moved to the mobile home park 19 years ago. And it kind of went, except for that one basketball experience, kind of went from working with kids to working with old people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was a flip. Because, you know, in the mobile home park, there was different people that were, well, they were older to begin mm-hmm. with, most of them older than us, and mm-hmm. handicapped and different things like that. Like, one guy uh, died, he was only 50-some, and, and uh, left his wife a widow, and they didn't have much, and so 
did some work in their house, but we put new new floors all the way through it and stuff. And but we did all this kind of through the church. Everything I did out there, I did through the church. Another gal was in the church. I don't I think she hardly make she can't even make it anymore. I don't think. But put a new roof on her place. Mm -hmm. And Beth Souls, uh, if you know who Beth mm -hmm. is, she's been battling cancer for years, and her roof was bad. <laughs> Malin Rowe and I put new roof on her place and we both got injured. Well I can show you. <laughs> we both we both went through went the roof. Went through the roof. Oh jeez. Uh, <laughs> Good so thing it was spent a few years there working on people's roofs and fixing their doors so they'd open and close and windows and so I went from working with kids to working with senior citizens. <laughs> Took on a veteran. Oh yeah, and then we veteran. we did take on uh, Al Fry. Remember Jerry Fry and then Al yep. was his coach. Well, he was was he about ninety four or five, mm -hmm. and I saw him out in the street one day, and I I got acquainted with him in the park, but didn't realize how bad he was off. But he was out there, couldn't find his way back, so I knew there was something. Not right, and so I told her. I said we can't go to Florida until I find him a place before he's gonna get some care. So I happened to see a thing in the, about a foster care program. Called that number, and she gave me two options, and I said I'll take the one where they don't have any kids. And uh, we went and looked at it. Beautiful place on a lake down by Quincy, and. Uh, he just had a blast down there for three years. I had to, of course, look after him. <clears throat> but all here. of a sudden, he got so bad that uh, she said, I'm afraid of him. I can't take him anymore. So I had to get him back into the VA hospital. VA. And, uh, mm -hmm. and he, he really got bad there. He had an attendant. He had a patient. <laughs> so, But then he, he died. Just before he turned 100, he died. But, mm -hmm. So we looked after him for about four years. That was good. People brought into Florida. He saw me play softball in Florida. <laughs> they took him out west. Uh, took him to oh. Blue Ridge Mountain. Oh, they uh, traveled all over with him yeah. in that motorhome. What, what an experience that was. But anyway, that was about the last of our thing Helping here. somebody. Yeah. You did a, a thing with Mail and Roll. Uh, no, actually, he's on my list of folks okay. to do it. I know that um, I forget which of the Swagger girls had written a piece on Malin in the Crescent. I believe it was Lydia Okay, okay, I believe yeah. so. That's where I saw it. But, uh, yeah, uh, because I was, uh, he sat across from us at the all-school reunion last week. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, well, he came late because he'd been to a wedding at the church. And he, anyway, he, he sat down and I said, well, how, how are you doing there? And he said, fine. And, and I said, well, how are you doing in the park? I said, after we left, why, I assumed that you were taking care of all the little ladies there. <laughs> and he, I said, I know you've got a beautiful cane that can protect you. So he said, yeah, and I use it all the time. So anyway, I, I happened to think about it. I was thinking that you had done one or that was that you were going to do one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely on the list of folks I want to get on for... He, yeah. 
just yeah. the you know the the store stories alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's he's another one of my buddies from our class. He was in Dwayne in my class, and uh, yeah, and so he's always been special. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I've been striking up conversations with him since I've probably been able to strike up conversations. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. He was yeah. known. Everybody knew him from the store. Yeah. Little kids on up and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Where everybody in town and out in the country. You betcha. When I grew up, only well, not counting the trailer park, just five doors down That's from Sinclair. That's right. Singlers, you were. So, yeah. You would have been close. Yeah. yeah. I used to always between yeah. my bike riding path or mm-hmm. my my heck raising path as much heck as I raised as a yeah. kid, I guess. <laughs> but I'd ride my bike kind of down and in around the trailer park or go down to the store and maybe rent a movie or get a pack of baseball okay. cards or something. And yeah. did you ever get chased out of the park? Not that I, I remember. I don't think <laughs> no. so. Probably well, you must not. have just rolled through with no problem. You must have nope, been was, on your best behavior. <laughs> I was, in the grand scheme of things kids can get into, I was about as boring of a kid as you can be. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to do much to upset Craig. <laughs> yeah, no, he got... Whoops, I <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I was yeah. in the trailer park. It's funny, I hadn't been through the trailer park in... Yeah, I don't know how many years, and then back in the earlier part of this year, well, I sat down with Julie Tiller, right. and she's giving me the rundown of, oh, Mr. Black lives next door. I'm like, and Jim Black lives right there. Yeah. And, okay, well, and then my brother Kevin lives right over right here. Right around and there. And, yeah. It's just like, gosh, it's community central over here. Yeah. It was. Here yeah. I thought I didn't know anyone in the trailer park anymore, and now I know I think everybody in the trailer yeah. park. And yeah. Julie's of- one of our kids. <laughs> She's she's always been one always of our been kids. Always been close to our family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the whole Langs family has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Been close yeah. to our family. Well, it's just one of those many families that are intertwined. Where yes, yeah. though there may not be blood relation. I mean, right. so, how many folks consider you folks or mm-hmm. your your kin like that? It's climax. It's one big yeah. happy family. It's, yeah. We we get visited quite often by Sam Bosford. He comes to see us. He still remembers his days of being in the Cub Scouts and coming back to our house from the meetings and eating supper with us. And then, you know, when nobody, nobody picked him out or whatever. But anyway, yeah. he has all, lots of memories. Of gathering place he likes to <coughs> and he likes to visit about it. So we do sit and visit with him about it. Yeah, but uh, he's a character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, lots, anyway, of, lots, of, lots of stories, yeah. So. Pretty, much, pretty much takes us up to now, anyway. <laughs> well, I just, it was very important to me to try to get you guys on however I could work it out, but gosh, I went through so much between February and now, just the trying to get home and then yeah, the been. whole bubble of stuff. Mm. I'll tell you off the microphones. Mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. Let's just say... A lot went on in the last six to eight months, but all roads finally led to it. <coughs> certainly is a lot easier to get to you guys when I'm just in Battle Creek oh, instead sure. of Chicago. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Is that where you're living? Uh, yeah, at Battle Creek, but I can't tell you just what a relief it is to be able to, if I want to see my folks, I'm there in about 15 minutes. Sure, sure. I think I've been to my folks' house three or four times a week every week since I've yeah. been back. And, <laughs> and yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's well, good. When you get to the points where you're 
you know, your family and, you know, your friends are mm-hmm. getting along in years, you maybe yeah. realize you don't want to be 200 miles away. Mm-hmm. There's times that 200 might as well be a million when you find exactly. out. Yeah, you can't go to this like person. Much. Like when Ellen Pierce passed away, <clears throat> would have oh loved to have paid respects there, but yeah. just between work schedules and that mm-hmm. distance just yeah. didn't shake out. But yeah. I'm glad we were able to spend this time together today. Yeah. I went from I don't think I saw you for 20 years and now I've seen you twice in the last two weeks. <laughs> Every time we, we knew what was going on to start with and then and we followed Jackie's comments and everything and then we just went like that. <laughs> just Go for it! <laughs> Even though I don't understand it, go for it! <laughs> well, and I know if the computer's not your thing, I can always no. burn you guys a, like a tape or a CD or something if you wanted to listen to like the Dwayne interview or things like that. I. I can find a way to get a copy to either or oh, through Gary yeah. or pop over for you, but yeah. I, I guarantee you're going to love some of the conversations. In yeah. fact, some of them are from tapes in the archives of Prairie Historical Society, so a lot of the yeah. episodes have been folks who haven't been with us for oh, years. There was sure. one episode where it was my father's mother, mm-hmm. who passed away in 1996, interviewing Dwayne Drollett Sr., who passed away in, I believe, oh. 75 or 77. And Lydia. Oh. Somehow I got mm-hmm. some of Lydia's. He was an Lydia's. interesting guy, yep. Dwayne Senior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you about that quick. When I went to the Masonic Lodge, when we got our third degree, there was it was a, about building the King Solomon's Temple, and and there was bandits around and ruffians and that type of thing. So there was like three ruffians in the degree. Well, Dwayne was the last ruffian he went to. And he's the guy that's going to kill you. And so I get around to him, and he says, who comes here? Some of the guy says whatever the words they said. And he said, he grabs me right by the shirt like that, picks me right up off the ground. He said, you have escaped Jubala and Jubilo, but me will not escape. <laughs> and I'm thinking, <laughs> and I'm sure you believed everyone. <laughs> oh, yes. He, he told, was good. I really thought a lot of those guys, him and Bates Dewey. Bates and, Dewey. Uh, oh, my, yes. Guy Nickerson. Yeah. Yeah, I'll never forget that. You had a tape of Lydia, a Lydia Nickerson story. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and uh-huh. I, yeah, I, I, I think I might have read that in... Uh, the news from Prairie Historical, probably because yep. I haven't seen any podcasts. But, uh, but I'll, like I said, I've, I've got a way I can get you those. It'll yeah. be a lot easier to listen to than trying to navigate the well, techno mo- mo- jumbo. Oh so. yeah, that's the thing that we just didn't we come up get, learning that stuff. We, we could get them on our iPad. Yep. Okay. I, I can help so you guys far, out with that. So far, we well we've been a little busy. Somewhat since we've been here, it's, there's quite a lot going on, and uh, I have a, my head spinning occasionally. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> there's going to be some more stuff Adjust, uh, uh-huh. coming out with you know the the ideas with this show now that I'm back home to uh-huh. actually get a new episode every week. Now that it's a lot easier to talk to folks, but uh-huh, uh-huh. right now I'm working on converting. PHS has an archive of it's probably twelve or fifteen different veteran stories from Climax. So I've got. Uh-huh. Whole interview with Ray Smith. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. There's, 
they, there's was, a Merle Hitchings in there. Like there, right? there's just you know people who are just no longer with us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mm-hmm. The great part about Prairie Historical Society is they've preserved so much of the mm-hmm. town's history. But the reality is, a lot of people probably aren't going to go up to the library on a Tuesday in a two-hour window no. and the, get yeah, kind of smacked dab in the middle of the day. Where it would be a one for your folks. <clears throat> oh, I <clears throat> mom is so really into it, and I think he is too. And uh, yeah. they do a lot. I've taken you know a lot of stuff up there, yeah. and most of the time I knew it'd be something they'd. She's always appreciated, of course. Oh, yeah. Between the two of them and Sharon Gasser, they're kind of the cornerstones of PHS. And yeah. Yes. I'm trying to help them inj- inject some youthful blood into PHS. <laughs> yeah. and, that, and that's great. That's great. Yeah. That, that I, I, uh-huh. There's they so much great. stuff just in that room that, mm-hmm. I mean, if you go up and open almost any book or any drawer mm-hmm. in that history room, there's a memory, there's a, a right? good feeling, there's or just a plain... Just plain interesting. Uh-huh, like, if uh-huh. you just open, anybody listening to this podcast, if you go up to Prairie Historical Society mm-hmm. and just open the drawer of businesses in Climax, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you're a last 20 to 30 years resident of Climax, you're going to be like, what, is there a file on the Village Takeout, Sinclair's, Bowman's, and like the phone company? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean the Crescent used to be a hotel? <laughs> what do you mean there were multiple barber shops in Climax? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that sounds... Like it's silly, it? You might be surprised as to how much has been really... in this town. Yeah. Many restaurants. And stuff. And yeah. I would hear things too from Bill Twist. Do you remember Bill Twist? I do. Okay. His wife was a school secretary Betty. for quite a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Uh, in Eastern Star, uh, we used to travel to different chapters when we were active, and sometimes I would ride with Bill, and so he'd get to talking about. Early, you know, a lot of things in Klein, and I know he would take things up for the the historical society and that kind of thing. So, but uh, yeah, Bill was a good friend. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim, Charlene, Gary, thank you so much for humoring me and oh, joining us on Climax the podcast. I've enjoyed all of the stories, and hopefully, I'll be seeing you more often than once every twenty twenty five. Well, years I hope so. so. <laughs> I hope it works out. I guess. I'm still wondering what, what's going to happen to the Crescent, but the, as far as I heard, it's sold, but what's it going to be? <laughs> I'm concerned about that. Yeah, we're, well, we're concerned about that. I think there's an answer to that, and probably Bruce and Crystal will share that mm-hmm. in the, the pretty yeah. near future for us. But mm-hmm. thank you folks so much, mm-hmm. and I can't wait to share your story with the people of town here on Climax the Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank for what you're doing, absolutely. That was so much fun getting to know the early love story and so much of the involvement in the family, in the community, and just the love of Jim and Charlene Longman. It was an honor to have Jim and Charlene here on Climax the Podcast, and thanks again not only to them, but also to Gary for making this episode happen and also the contributions you made along the way. I had mentioned right before we segued to the main event to stay tuned after for a little talk about the community calendar And I was hoping to start it on this episode of Climax the Podcast, but I just wasn't able to do it between uh, not really having the time to kind of do my own research and put these things together. And I didn't really hear from anyone, but I also only put that out in the wild just a few days ago. So for listeners, what I'm trying to do here is I want to kind of wind up every episode of the podcast with a community calendar with kind of all the goings on in the week ahead. So we drop new episodes on Wednesdays. 
I want to talk about all the different things going on in town through the following Wednesday. So if you have any sort of community event, concerts, plays, fundraisers, big business events, I want to know about those things. I want to share those for the community and I want to try to put them all in one spot as much as possible week to week. One more round of thanks to our sponsors and our partners, Prairie Historical Society, now Kalamazoo, Kristen Wachowski with State Farm, and above all else, thanks to you, community of Climax Scots, whether you are here now or whether you are off in the distance in other parts of the world. Thanks for tuning in this week and hopefully all future weeks to Climax the Podcast, Love Letter to a Small Town. I'll see you guys in about a week.